Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 182. Everyone's married except me. I can't believe we're at 182 episodes. And yes, if you guys have been looking for earlier episodes, you will see there are a bunch that have been deleted and will continue to be deleted. Here we are, two and a half years. How many years of the podcast? Oh, just over three years of doing this podcast. More than 500,000 downloads fucking love all of you for staying loyal listeners. I'm so proud and so honored that for those of you who have stayed with me throughout this whole journey, it went from how to stop wanting him back and manifested and snowballed into stop wanting him back and find someone better when I added in my finding love journey into all of your coaching and podcast listening journeys. So thank you so much for those of you who have stayed with me. And here we are at episode 182. How have I not covered this topic. Everyone's married except for me. I did recently do an episode called How Are You 41 and Never Been Married or something like that because I went to a wedding and some, I I mean, I want to say some mean word, but I'm not going to say it, but tool bag. How about tool bag? Uh, Looked at me. I was at the wedding with Larry, looked at me and was just like, you know, asking, oh, how do you know the bride and the groom? Blah, blah. How is it that you're 41 and you've never been married? And and even my mom was like, how did you give him your, your age right away? And I was like, first of all, Irene, my age is not a secret. Second of all, uh, that's not the point of my story. The point is how fucking rude that someone would say something like that as if there's like some stigma attached to me not having a ring on it at 41. And I really and truly was so offended by the question on my client's behalf. And I really had to check myself because I was so triggered. I definitely had tequila in my system. And I was so proud because I took a breath and I could feel my Irish fiery rage brew inside. And I just looked at him and I took a breath and I said, what kind of a question is that? And I was so proud of myself because how many of us are in social situations where we have a bad reaction with a lot of alcohol in us, or we're just like, oh, I don't know. Um, I just like, don't know. And like you get all squirrely and insecure and give some kind of a polite response because you don't want to like make it things even more uncomfortable. But I was like going for the discomfort. So you guys are all welcome. I have my dear bestie, Miss Jamie McEwen on today's episode again, because you guys, she is 40 and just got engaged. And I literally had the most like, oh my God. I was with Larry's sister in Palm Springs when she sent the message and I was pulling into the driveway with the groceries and I was like, you don't understand. She's like one of my closest friends and we grew up together in Rye, New York. And we weren't really friends at the time, but then she moved to LA when I moved to LA and we just connected and the rest is history. And it's like, we've been besties forever. And I felt like Hi, Jamie. Do you want to say hi? Hi, yes. Thank you for introducing me because I've been sitting here stifling laughter for the last, I don't know what it's been, five minutes. Three minutes and 30 seconds, okay? I'm getting better. When you said some tool bag, I literally had to like swallow down the laughter. So hello, everyone. Great to be here. Congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you. It's very exciting. And yeah, I wanted you to come on because I really and truly was thinking about how many women, including my clients, would make their friends and do make their friends or their cousins or their sisters who are getting engaged or are getting married and make it about that affecting them who are not in relationships and not even close to an engagement and feeling like there's this race to the altar. So that's why I brought up that last episode, because I do think people are really triggered. Women are really triggered by other people getting married, other people having kids, multiple kids, the big homes, all of it. And I have to say 
to my own probable Irish Catholic upbringing detriment, my parents really instilled this idea of being happy for other people as if their wins are happening for themselves. And I've talked about that a lot on this podcast, but I think I became the cheerleader truly to my detriment. Growing up in Rye, where you and I both grew up, it's a very wealthy town. And my family was not the wealthiest. And I ran in a circle where everyone had gobs of money and beamers for their 16th birthday and belonging to country clubs and going on fancy trips. And our vacations were like once a year going to Ireland, which to many people listening would think that's amazing. But it would be, you know, just visiting family. And it was like, wah, wah at the time. <laughs> Now I appreciate it. And I recognize, and I've shared this on the podcast before, how privileged I truly was growing up. I got dance lessons twice a week, private voice lessons, theater camp. Like I really was so privileged, but we were living, Jamie and I, in such an extreme level of wealth and surrounded by such an extreme level of wealth that I think that that really fucked with my money beliefs. I thought at times that we were poor compared to okay. other people, which is so ridiculous. But yeah. from a very young age, my point to all of this is that I've always been friends with people that have more or are, you know, advancing themselves. My, I also felt like the college process, a lot of people, again, in wealthy t- in a wealthy town like Rye, there was a lot of nepotism going on and people getting into like really fancy schools that maybe weren't the brightest bulbs. And, you know, my parents, Irish parents, we just had uh, Lisa DeYoung, my course student on last week's episode. And I mean, my parents were so foreign to the American college process. It was just like, fill out the college application and keep your fingers crossed. There was no paying for, you know, private SAT tutors. Meanwhile, Jamie's mom is like an amazing private tutor (laughs) for all that stuff. So that's how you got into Michigan. Let's be real. (laughs) I did have some uh, internal help right in uh, my house, but it was not fun. It was not fun to be tortured by her. That's a whole sidebar. I I just, that's why I'm in therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Terry. Mm. Uh, We love Terry, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think from a young age I was programmed to be happy and and cheer on everyone else. So it started really young and then as everybody knows if you've been listening to the podcast for a while throughout my 20s I was pursuing acting into my mid 30s. I I stopped, you know, maybe 5 years ago, which is so crazy. It's not too long ago. Fell in love with coaching more. But then again, your thoughts create your reality. When you believe everything is in the cards for other people, you will continue to play that out. So I was besties with stars of TV shows and I'm the cheerleader like posting about them being on the Today show, you know, on Facebook celebrating them because that's what I was really good at. And honestly, that's what I realized I was too good at. I was too good at being everybody's bridesmaids and too good at showing up for everybody else and not showing up for myself. I had great friends showing up for me and believing in me and I am even thinking of this one very close actress friend of mine who really has killed it in her career. She believed in me so much. She set up an appointment with her really fancy manager and agents for me to meet them. I mean, I I was very dear friends with successful people who quote unquote had it all or had had more than me, but were also amazing friends. So I manifested very close, amazing friendships. But yeah, I was very used to being surrounded with people who had more than me or were further advanced in their careers than me, had more money and checked off the engagement box, the marriage box, the kid box, all of that. And so I want to be really clear before we get into Jamie's very wonderful story and her thoughts on this, because she is a woman who got engaged at 40. And so we were talking about this and I said, oh my God, I have to bring you on the podcast. Right off the bat, we both want to be very clear here. We're not shaming anybody listening to this episode who has experienced negative emotion when your sister gets engaged or your friends are getting engaged. Like, we were you, you know? And I just happened to be an extreme where I was programmed that, like, I I just, it was just not an option for me to let myself feel badly. But as I reflect back, I was thinking about the multiple best friends who, did get engaged. And I remember one of my closest friends getting engaged. And I remember calling my mom and being like, Oh my God, Kate got engaged. And my mom saying, that's great. I I, I just want that for you. And I was like, I remember 
you know, and that was really coming from a loving place, you know, and you and I have talked about our moms and we love our moms, but sometimes they have not said the right thing in the right moment. I I think that that comment was really well-intentioned, but I was even thrown when she said that because I never gave myself that room. So this episode is not to set the intention to not care at all and only advocate for your friends and celebrate your friends and just sit on the sidelines and cross your fingers and hope maybe one day it happens for you or just toss your hands and decide it'll never happen for you. Obviously, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, that is not my intention. But I do think that there is a way to consciously work through the disappointment that then snowballs into the fear of it won't happen. I think that that's what it comes down to. You're not an asshole. You love your friends. You love your sisters. You love your cousins. You love whoever around you is getting married. Maybe you don't. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) like, she's such a bitch or she's not doing the work. I feel like that's a separate episode when when it's happening for other people and they're not even kind because there's always that bitch that seems to get it all and you don't understand why because she's just not nice but whatever that's a different episode why does it happen for the assholes we'll 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 get there i do have an episode called when mean guys win talking about seeing my ex like have a a, a notch in his belt of success in the entertainment industry and i was like yeah sometimes mean guys win. That's Mm -hmm. just life. And there's a lesson in there for you. Um, But yes, this is an episode to just talk, you know, constructively about what to do with these very natural and normal reactions and not get carried away with them and crumble and not ignore them or suppress them either. So I just wanted to say that we are not here to shame you or judge you. We're just here to have an honest, raw conversation. And I today can say that I'm so proud to just, I felt like I got teary when you sent me that picture. And I was just like, (gasps) I felt like it was happening to me. And I know like, first of all, you and I, Jamie, were single ladies in LA navigating that crazy city and, you know, getting off, falling off the horse and getting back up again. And, you know, having moments of, will this really happen for me? But before we get into all of that, can you share a little bit about the engagement and it unfold and what happened? Because everybody loves a great engagement story. But first, yes. we're going to set it up with last week or like a week and a half ago, you texted me and we were going back and forth. And you said, it was in the context, I can't remember, but you said, um, yeah, I think it looks like Michael and I might be beating you guys to the altar. And I literally died laughing and I turned to Larry. He was right there. And I was like, Jamie and Michael are probably going to beat us to the <laughs> altar. And Larry is literally like cracking up. Like anytime I make engagement digs or, or anything, he just like laughs, like genuinely laughs. And he <laughs> genuinely laughs because I'm not like, when's it happening? Hello. And I shared recently when we were in Cabo that I had some posts and I had this like moonstone pear-shaped ring. Hint, hint, babe. I want a pear-shaped ring. Um, And it happened to be on my left index finger. And I like got all these DMs being like, oh my God, congrats. And I was like, oh my God, I totally see how this... Because then I said this whole thing about finding the one and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, no, no, shut it down. Because my biggest fear was like his kids somehow finding out or his ex getting wind that we got engaged when we didn't. And like, I just... Not that like, you know, just out of respect for the kids. I, I just... The whole thing got me so like, oh fuck. And... Again, I'm bringing that up because I didn't care at all that it didn't happen. I didn't feel embarrassed. A lot of people before Cabo were like, do you think you're getting engaged? And I was like, definitely not. (laughs) And to just address that, I, I think it's important because I think people have, I do think people have an expectation that after a couple has been dating for a particular amount of time, you know, that this is when it's supposed to happen. And I think a big piece of that is, we are on our own journey as a couple. And that's ultimately what we're going to talk about today is each of you, any of you listening who's single, whether you're dating someone or newly dating someone, or you're just out there dating, you are on your own unique individual journey. And I trust Larry implicitly, and I know we're going to, and I'm also very particular about being surprised. (laughs) 
I don't want like, oh, it's definitely happening before Christmas. Or, you know, I told him how many times I've heard bitches. Sorry, I'm calling those people bitches. And I'm sorry (laughs) for any of you listening. I'm not calling you an actual bitch, but you know what I mean? Like basic (laughs) bitches. But who are like, oh, he knows if it doesn't happen by this time, then we're going to have to have a talk or he should start, you know, we're going to have to maybe reevaluate if this is the right relationship. And it's like, no, if you love a person wholeheartedly and you want to be with them forever and you understand that person's entire life, <clears throat> four children, and his job and the nature of his job, and then my life and the nature of my life and my job and timelines and things like that, the, the when doesn't matter. I just want the fucking person. So I just think that that is so important. Like I found love at 38 and I don't give two shits that it didn't happen at 28. I am like everything, you know, someone reached out to me. Sorry, James, I do want to get to your engagement, but I'm tangenting. No, go, go. Someone reached out to me last night, an old acquaintance and said, you know, I never understood what narcissistic abuse was, but I've always paid attention to your posts. And I just realized I was in a narcissistic abusive friendship and I just cut that person off and it's super traumatizing. And I now really do understand what you mean. And I'm so sorry that you went through that. And I was like, don't be sorry. It led me to the life that I have now and the partner that I have now. If I didn't go through all of that shit and didn't rise to the occasion and do this fucking work that I believe in wholeheartedly, Larry would not be here. I would not be in love with not just him, but his four unbelievable children. So all of that was so fucking worth it. Like, don't apologize. Like, I am so good and at such peace. I have to also say that I'm very consciously aware of like, here I am doing this episode and it sounds very like, no, I swear I'm good that Jamie's engaged. I'm totally fine with it. And I don't care that I'm not engaged at 41. I really and truly would not. I just hope, you know, for any of you who are consistent, loyal listeners, you know, I would not do, I would actually be authentic enough to bring Jamie on because we have a very authentic friendship to be like, I love you so much. And then I would probably later separately tell her, I have to be honest with you. This is nothing to do with you. This came up for me. Like that's how transparent we are. We tell each other things when we say things to each other and, and, you know, have no problem saying, I've got to be honest, this is actually triggering for me because these are the kinds of friendships I want to be in. And that's the kind of relationship that Larry and I have. So I would just be doing this podcast episode and it would be me sharing like, that's what this made me feel like. And it just, this is my experience and everybody has different reactions. And that's what we're here to talk about. Um, So I know that that was a mouthful. (laughs) Take it away because you did say, Oh yeah, I think we're probably going to, Michael and I are going to beat you to the altar. And again, this is the kind of friendship Jamie and I have. I was not like, oh my God, she just (laughs) was going to beat us to the altar. I was like, yeah, that's right. And what my response to you was, yeah, that's still not going to put the fire under Larry's ass, but I'll tell him anyway. And I told him that I said that and he's just like, ha, 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 cracking up, like still going at his California snail's pace, like all good, so confident in himself, like no rush. Um, so I say that because you were saying that in the context of us having a text exchange about, I don't know what, and then all of a sudden it was like five days later, there was the picture and you were totally surprised, which I'm that I'm definitely envious of. I don't want, I want to be surprised. (laughs) I think being surprised is like so much fun. If you know, it's going to happen, then like the surprise is so fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, take it away. Everyone wants a good engagement story. Um, yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell the romantic engagement story, but I've also been taking notes during your um, tangents. And so I have two things I want to say. Thank you. Um, I I agree. I'm much like you. We get, we can talk about this later as to why in terms of being happy for people, even I'm just aware I'm on my own journey. So like we were single together in LA for a couple of years and like really bonding over like dating struggles and kvetching about it. And then at the end of the day, it was like, well, I still have my single girlfriend to hang out with. And then you met Larry like a year and a half before I met Michael and I was super happy for you. And now at the same time, it was like, okay, well, I know this means I'll see less of her. And especially when you moved to Santa Barbara, like right at the beginning of the pandemic and you were like my pod, you know, it was like, 
it was like, wow, this is definitely changing, but it didn't change. It's changing our, the amount of time we could spend together, but it did not take away how happy I was for you that you knew him and met him and were so happy. And I thought you just so completely deserved it. So I'm just fully on board (laughs) with like, you can hold two things at once being a little sad for yourself and also completely happy for your friends or sisters or whoever and, and what they're getting in their life. So I think that's such an excellent point and it hurts my heart that you went through that. And I, I forgot about that because that's now three years ago, three years ago, Larry, mm-hmm. three years. And I forgot about that. And that was something that I didn't write down for the notes, but I was thinking, when I experienced like sadness, loneliness about some, my friends settling down, it was just, it meant less time. And then, yeah. you know, when they're getting pregnant, I'm like, bye forever. Yeah. You know, Literally, bye call for me in 18 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'm just going to miss you, but it's not like, oh, she has that. And I don't. Yeah, exactly. And I also think just with timing, like we were talking before we started recording, just kind of about this whole idea of rules and dating and in relationships. And it's like, there's really no rules. There's like what works for you. Like you saying like the whole thing about like me being engaged, even though Michael and I've only been together a year and a half, it's like circumstances worked for that to happen for us. Whereas like circumstances aren't totally lined up yet for you and Larry. And it's like, it's all so individual. and. Yeah, it's just kind of like sometimes we have to like let go of the rules and these timelines about when things should happen. Yeah, I mean, he's 50. He's turning 50 in a week. And it's like never in a million years. Like I think I think about our wedding all the time because I'm a basic bitch that's been dreaming about her wedding day since like I was five. I really was. (laughs) I know that that's not you. And it's like I didn't think it was going to be, you know, who knows, my early 40s, 42, 43. I'm 41 now. But, you know, I never in a million years thought I'd be marrying someone whose second marriage it would be, that there would be children involved. Like when I think about the wedding now, I'm like, oh my God, I know the girls are going to want to be so heavily involved. Like it's just, it's a different vision and it's like a better vision for me at a time that at one point as a kid, if someone told me you're not going to get married until your forties and it's going to be with someone who's already been married and you're not going to have kids, I would have been like, (gasps) yeah. And it's like, I can't imagine it any other way. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah. It's just better not to set up these expectations. And I don't know if it just happens because we like live in this world of like fairy tales and fantasies and we start to like, not to get so like, you know, theoretical, but we start to like put this stuff into little girls' brains at such a young age. So I don't know if you are a parent out there, like it's just important to know like, all things are possible, right? Even it was so funny you brought up going to college. Like that, I didn't even know it was an option not to go to college where we grew up and with my what? family. And it's sort of like, I just wish someone had presented like options to me about life and the world. And then I didn't get so stuck in like, okay, you're going to go to college and then you're going to get a job and then you're going to meet someone, you're going to get married. And I think there'd be so much less of this like comparison and pressure if we just all knew that like so many. Uh, realities are okay and and maybe even better than what you're fantasizing about. So I can I think those are just amazing points. I asked Jamie, would she consider being my co-host? Because I'm obsessed with all the points that you really bring home when this one over here is going on all my tangents. <laughs> I love that you said all of that. And I can just honestly say as someone who reflects back on her life and truly believes that everything unfolded perfectly. And I have friends from college who I still am so closely connected to, but I know you had an amazing college experience, yours and Larry's alma, alma mater, you, go blue. University of Michigan, go blue. Um, I, I did not have that experience at Lehigh University in Pennsylvania. It's a <laughs> good school, but it's not, it was not my vibe. It was the best academic school I got into. And so I went and I was in a long distance relationship. It was a sorority scene. I joined the sorority, like, because I felt like that was my only social option, right? Like you think these are my only options. And I look back on that experience. And if, had I known, oh, you didn't have to go to college right away. Oh, I could have just gone straight to New York and pursued acting and like trained younger. And I know college degrees can, you know, I'm not here to say don't go to college, (laughs) but I totally agree with you. Like I could have done without the Lehigh experience. I could have, you know, learned a lot because I feel like I came out of Lehigh again, extra sheltered than what I was from Rye, because that Mm -hmm. was a next level of 
white rich privilege at mm-hmm. Lehigh, and then came to New York City, was like commuting in and out from my sheltered parents' house in Westchester. And, you know, that was when the rude awakening of life happened for me. And that was when I started meeting in my acting school all these different walks of life and different races and religions or atheists or gay people. I mean, it was just like, oh, wow, I have never really befriended anybody who wasn't majority just like me on so many levels. And um, yeah, I I would do all, I mean, Larry's son is doing a gap year between middle school and high school. He's a very serious basketball player. It's a big commitment for us parent figures in his life. Um, but he's an incredible basketball player and his commitment meditates daily, has Hmm. specific regimented trainings, um, is just, I mean, I drove him to practice last night, two hours away. There's this new commitment. His team, his new club team is very far away and with traffic. I'm fine. I'm fine. And, (laughs) but it's great bonding time with him. I mean, I die for him and I'm so impressed by his drive and his focus and his talent at 14. And I'm so proud and happy that Larry is fostering it. And therefore, so am I. And I know he has, you know, college dreams, obviously, but it's basketball oriented and they're being really strategic about it right now. And, you know, when I explain that to my parents, they're just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. They don't get it. And I just love this. Like, what are, what is the best option for me? Even at fucking 14 years old. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's like kind of how I did start approaching my life that way, like in my mid twenties, like just something totally shifted my, it shifted my whole mindset, this experience I went through. And so it's just, yeah, you start to realize, wow, like I need to follow my path, not compare my path to other people. And that doesn't mean because some people listening right now, Jamie, are going to say, but I want my path to be marriage and kids. Yeah. Like That's what I want. It's not society, you know, impressing these values upon me because I, just to your point about like when we're little girls and like, it's, I think society pushes that and like being a flower girl and like the flower girl, like looks up to the bride and the bridesmaids. And like one day I'm going to be like that. And honestly say I, I still think I would have had, I, I feel like the, the dream wedding is just like a genuine dream in my heart mm-hmm. because there were so many things that were impressed upon me that I was like, fuck that. No, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I could have married, you know, the Westchester guy that just wasn't my type, but yeah. I didn't right. Yeah. Like, and go for that, like white picket fence lifestyle. I mean, in a sense, Larry and I, with the kids, it's just that I think we're <laughs> way more like Cali. Yeah vibe, yeah. not like keeping up with, there's just that, not this like keeping up with the Joneses competition vibe. Yeah. And that's, that's more about, like yeah, like staying in your lane. And even if you're, even if that is the vision and that is um, part of what you're seeing as your path, just understanding that the journey is different for everyone and uh, the comparison or the feeling, you know, that you can't be happy for someone because you're not getting it. That's, that's kind of what more we're talking about, but. Yeah. Um, okay. So okay. you went to Oregon. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I was completely surprised. And it's partly because I think at age 40, I started to be like very practical about marriage, engagement, potentially having a kid, whatever. So I've gotten very like, okay, um, yeah, if we want to, if we need to get married, we'll get married. Practical. Like very practical, very like I, and I'm just sort of a romantic at heart, even though I don't come off that way, but I, um, got, it was just like, who cares? I, we just need to be practical and be on a, t- like this timeline. And it was so funny. We're talking about not being on a timeline. Okay. So is like, that, is that the trick? Like not caring about it being romantic? Just like, we just got to get the, take care of the practical maybe because I'm like, literally had the thought of like, yeah, I mean, if we like, like, I don't know when a wedding would happen. So like, if we need to just get legally married, sure, we could do a wedding later or sometime in the next few years. And so I had in my head, like, he's not going to propose, but only because I was being so practical. He he never said, 
We need to be so, so to practical. Be clear, when you said, you know, it looks like we're going to be beating you to the altar, you, I know this already, but just for the listeners, you kind of thought, oh, we'll probably do like a courthouse situation. Yeah. Like it's going to be very practical. Also, we did not say, but hello, just for those who are, might be tuning into this episode for the first time, Jamie and I were definitely navigating the LA dating life together, but I was a heartbreak finding love coach and impressing my guidelines slash rules processes on her and showing her what wasn't working in her life. And she was very resistant, but she also helped me record my course, same title as this podcast, Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. We have over 60 videos. We're actually going to be shooting more videos in the fall. Jamie like supervised all of the scripts and shot the whole thing with me. So days and days together. And finally, after being immersed in all things, Claire, the heartbreak coach, stop wanting him back and find someone better said, fuck it. I'll, I'll do it her way. <laughs> and fucking found Michael. So also you are welcome. Listen, you get a shout out in the wedding speech. I don't even know if you do wedding speeches, maybe in the vows, maybe yeah. I'll write you into the vows yeah. because or if I don't, I'll just stand up and say, everyone, <laughs> you're all here because of me. We are Thank gathered you. here today because of Claire Byrne. That is that is what I'm going to have the uh, spiritual shaman who's marrying us say. Um, yeah, no, no, completely accurate. And we did do um, an episode talking about that back in October. The episode is entitled... She Found Someone Better? She Found Someone Better. Look at yeah. that title of the course. Again, stop wanting him back and find someone better. And this episode will link it up in the show notes so you can hear about Jamie's journey of working my course. So that is also doubly exciting that she's here to talk about her engagement and our thoughts on other people getting engaged because she did really use my process. I did. Longtime listeners would have heard me complain about being single and then they've seen the whole journey. So if you've a longtime listener, it's great to, that you've witnessed this. Yes, with because us. we did earlier episodes for everybody yeah. to understand. We did earlier episodes where she was single. I think I was single and we were answering people's questions. And to my credit, if I say so myself, I was in such deep belief about my process. And even though I wasn't in the result of having found him, I still knew the way. And look, there are multiple ways. I'm just saying my way, like I really committed to my way. And even, you know, listening to your limiting beliefs, I was like, no, we got to cut that out. No. And then we do listener Q and A's and Jamie would be like, she would come on the podcast in earlier episodes. Daniel and Michelle will have to link those episodes up too, where you would say, I'm defending you guys. I'm here (laughs) to take the heat from Claire. I'm representing you guys where you would give like the devil's advocate. So you have had quite the journey with my work. Totally. And it really, it was seeing you in that deep belief, which was one of the seeds planted for me because you were in that deep belief. And then the result happened. And I was like, because I was still in the mindset of like, I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm going to online date, but I think it's sort of bullshit. When I shifted (laughs) my thoughts and shifted my beliefs around this is 100% possible and I'm holding the vision. And Claire got me this amazing um, Urban and the Mystic thing for my birthday the year before I met Michael. Crystal. And I did the whole ritual. And um, yeah, the crystals. Wait, and- let's slow that down too, because my dear friend, Courtney Abiati owns this company, The Urban and the Mystic. We've had Courtney on before, I believe in crystal, the healing power of crystals and the manifesting power of crystals. And so I got you a rose. I'm assuming I got you a rose quartz crystal. I don't remember. No, you got me a box. It was like a, it was a birthday box, but it had a love theme and it was, there was a crystal, but there was also like a scroll of paper where you write down like what you're manifesting in love, like what, what love you're Great manifesting. Ideas, you guys. Phenomenal. Ideas. And I get, I, I get all my clients urban and the mystic crystals because I truly believe and I had bought a rose quartz sphere crystal, put it in my love corner, mm-hmm. and Larry came very shortly yeah, after. Yeah, I so met Michael. It was a combination of all of that shit. Yeah, I met Michael two like because you gave me the box in November, but I didn't do the ritual until February, and I met him two weeks later. So, oh my god, everybody's gonna go to urbanandthemystic.com <laughs> and buy rose quartz crystals or birthday box crystals and create that. Yes, do that. But, but you also did the uh, mindset. Totally, with the I was gonna say you can't just like hold a crystal and be like send me a man. Like it was already in belief. I just really focused my belief and wrote it down. Right. And I did everything. So, um, it takes, it it takes it all. Um, okay. Okay. Here we are 33 minutes in. We have (laughs) engagement story. story. My fault as usual. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, so I was not expecting anything. Um, Michael and I went to Portland a couple weeks ago because my mom and my stepfather were on this like uh, kind of half cross country road trip, and she was like, "We're going to be in Portland for Jim's birthday." Jim, my stepfather, why don't you guys fly up and meet us, and we'll surprise him? So it was like great. So I was uh, in Minnesota for work. I flew to Portland. Michael came and met me from LA. And so, so they did not know. Your parents did not know. About this engagement, not at all. No, no one yeah, knew anything so that was, was coming. Like a legit plan for your parents. Yeah, it wasn't a setup from them because that's no, what no, I no. When you first said that. Yeah, no, it was truly come up and just see us for the weekend. We're on the West Coast. Come surprise Jim for his birthday. So I picked Michael up from the airport. It was still a Friday afternoon. We were working. We like went to a little uh, coffee shop and worked. And then he said you know, I want to do something at one of these kind of cool naturey spots in Portland. Why don't you pick? And he sent me some options like this arboretum and a botanical garden. We all know if you've listened, I am a herbalist and a total plant nerd and a nature lover. So he was pulling at the heartstrings already. <laughs> so I was like, I want to go to the arboretum. I love trees. Who loves trees? So anyway, I was like, I love trees. Let's go see the trees. So we go to the Arboretum and we found this like little hike to do to this redwood grove. I don't know if anyone spent time in the redwood forest, either in California or Oregon, but they're magical trees. It's hard to explain until you're among them, but they, they're majestic. They're the tallest trees in the world. They live for thousands of years. And I think they emanate an energy that's incredible. I've spent a lot of time in the redwood forest. And um, anyway, it's a magical place. So we hike in to this observation deck in the redwood forest. There's a couple people like, you know, sitting on benches and journaling and it was a beautiful <laughs> moment. And I was just sitting, standing there, like feeling feelings, just being like, I'm so peaceful and happy. And this is so lovely. And I love doing things with him and yada, yada. And then we like walk down into the grove and then uh, where the redwoods like were so standing among them. And then he just like kind of reached out for a hug. And I was like, okay, you know, hug, have a hug all the time. <laughs> and then he started just like saying stuff, like really sweet stuff. Like, um, you know, I love you. I love you so much. Like, um, and uh, like, you know, lots of things. I can't remember it all because I yeah. blacked out halfway through. I, I still had no clue. I'm just like, okay, you're just being sweet. We're having a moment. The trees are magical. Like, I don't know. I'm feeling it too. <laughs> and then he, and then he said something like, you know, I love you so much that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And that's when I was like, holy crap, <laughs> is he about to propose? And I was still like, I don't know. I don't know. And he, and then he said it. So I feel like now is a great a time as any. And then he got down on one knee and said, um, to ask you, will you marry me? And, um, so of course I'm like shaking and I don't process things well in the moment. Um, and I was like totally stunned and like literally did not see this coming at all. Um, so of course I said, yes, I processed it all later and like cried and did the whole thing in the moment. I was just like happy and like, like kind of in shock and, um, said yes. And then the sweet part was, uh, well, that was all sweet, but, um, the ring he gave me was, uh, his grandmother's wedding ring from the forties and it's a family heirloom. And, and his mom wanted me to have it, which I was totally touched by. And he said, he's like, if you don't like it or you want to use it and, and create something new, like we can go ring shopping. And I was like, no, it's oh. literally gorgeous and so perfect. Perfect. Showing it's me it again. It's perfect. so perfectly you. It's too blurry through the mm. like, then caster, but um, it's really perfect. I yeah. feel like it's got like branches of a tree. Yes. It almost looks like it's, that's what I was trying to say to you on text. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. And it Ugh. means something. And, and that's for me is, is really important that it's got significance and, um, just really touching that his family, like kind of wanted me to have it. And, uh, so it was all, uh, really lovely and special. And ironically, even though we met out here in LA, his grandma and his mom's side of the family grew up in the same part of the New York suburbs where my mom and my dad grew up and where they uh, met and where I was born. So um, kind of crazy. The ring box says the, the city. And um, so it all oh, feels very like full circle and kind of like faded. No and coincidence. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so so with that, I'm I'm conscious of the time. James, sorry, was there something else that you wanted to say on that? I was just going to throw in, we then went out and saw my mom and stepfather, and uh, we got to spring the news on them at the end of that evening. And so then we got to celebrate with the family, which was very fun. So that's it. I mean, and you guys don't know Terry, but I do. And I just know <laughs> she was through the roof happy. Yeah. 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 Die. Die. Mm -hmm. So can you please then speak on 
yourself being single throughout your 20s, throughout your 30s, up until a year and a half ago, and your friends getting engaged? Because I've obviously touched on what my thoughts were and just being the permanent perpetual, I guess the right word would be perpetual cheerleader for those who were continuing to quote unquote, move ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is when I came from the same place where those kinds of like check off the boxes values were very, very much impressed upon us. Yeah. Yep. And I kind of said to you as a joke after we were talking, after I got engaged, like if I um, I would have had a pretty miserable twenties if I didn't know how to be happy for people. Cause literally 95% of my high school and college friends got married in, you know, between like 27 and 32. So like, yeah. um, definitely had to just like learn to be happy for people. And I don't know what it is exactly. I, um, I definitely got off, I guess the quote unquote beaten path in my early twenties. And, um, I think I just sort of decided like, okay, I've been put on a certain uh, journey and I'm going to have to trust it and follow it. And I still wanted all those things. I wanted to be in a relationship. I wanted to get married, always wanted to have kids and all that. And so as this was happening for all my friends, it was like, I can either spend the next five to 10 years like miserable and comparing and not enjoying any of this, or I can be happy for my friends and celebrate with them and like enjoy this time and get to like go to their weddings and be a part of it. And just, um, you know, I just really believe in celebrating people, even if it's not happening for you. And I just watched other people do this with friends and siblings and not be happy for them and like ruin their joy in the moment. And it's like, oh, I just never want to be the person who's, who's taking away someone's, someone's joy. Yeah. I'm going to say just a caveat from the beginning of this episode, there's no shame or judgment on anybody here listening who, you know, has felt sad in their heart when it's happening for someone else. But 100%, I have judgment on people who ruin other people's happiness just because it's not happening for them. I have no apologies for that. Like, what the fuck? Pull up your big girl pants and put a fucking fake smile on and do the right thing for your friends and your family because that's just not cool. And like, I do believe that this, you know, discord, is that the right word on like it happening for them and not for you? Like that's very human and normal, Mm -hmm. but you know, and, but, but I do think that there is, this is what I'm trying to get at. I do think that that like, Oh, even if you're going to put on a fake smile, if you're internally struggling with it's happening for them and it's not happening for me, Oh my God, Oh my God. That's where it builds into the fear of like, and it won't happen for me. And I do think that that discord within does prevent your person from showing up because you're making other people's journeys and other things that are happening for them mean that it could not happen for you, which doesn't actually make, and by the way, no judgment on that. It doesn't make sense, but this is what our brains do, right? Our brains, like this is, you know, I I always use the example when I finally was starting to make very good money doing this work on my business, but I was so used to the feast and famine lifestyle as an actor. And then when I finally moved into my big girl apartment, I like literally had multiple panic attacks of like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is irresponsible. You're getting an apartment in Beverly Hills. This is bad. This is wrong, irresponsible, et cetera. And I, and I was working with a coach at the time and she would be like, open your bank account and look at the amount of money that you have. Cause my brain was just so programmed into thinking and you don't have enough. You'll never have enough. And that's shit that it's still mm-hmm. <laughs> shit that I'm working through um, because, you know, those old beliefs run deep. So it doesn't have to make sense. But I do think it is our job to be on to our brains when that shit is coming up. And there, there's two parts here to be very clear. It's okay that the discord comes up, but acting like an asshole to the person whose moment it is just is not fucking cool. So grow up, drink less. Yeah, you know, find someone who you can vent to that that so that you can shield space. the person. Yeah, yes, and then also, you know, you can, you know, as I said to you, James, if I really did have a problem or feel insecure or triggered by your engagement, you know, have a conscious, honest, real, raw, authentic, mature conversation without taking the wind out of the other person's sail. Yeah, and you know? also, I think do some introspection as to why 
why are you, am I being triggered here? Because it's typically like, I think you're so happy with Larry and so clear on everything that's going to happen for you and, and all that, that you don't even think about comparing yourself to other people, you know? So I just think my, the thought that I have, right. You guys, you hear all the time thought work, right. The Mm -hmm. thought that I have, I don't think I finished on why I deleted older episodes because I'm, I don't like a lot of the things that I said in my earlier episodes (laughs) to put it short, but sweet, but you know, I do essentially teach thought work for the most part. I do believe our thoughts in most cases create our reality. I do believe that this mindset work works for healing your heart and finding love. But the thought that I have is like, my time is my time. And like, not only is my time, my time, our time is our time, our meaning Larry and I, like our moment is going to happen for us at the right time. Just in the sense that like, I really believe like Larry is the absolute perfect person on this planet for me to share my life with. And I just, all like my anxious brain just is like, please may we live really long lives. Cause I want to spend the next 50 years, like just being old farts together. I just love them so much. And, you know, we could not have been together really a minute sooner. I needed him to be two years separated for us to work. Now he believes that if we had met sooner, because he dated people before me. I I just love that he did. I'm not saying that you can't be in a serious relationship with someone right out of a marriage, but you know, for his journey and his story, I just, so he really did arrive at the perfect time, but it wasn't like I waited for God. I waited for fate. I feel like we co-created and I have no fucking clue if we get engaged this year, next year, or the year after, but it just doesn't fucking matter because I have him and I have his kids. And like, that's all it is. It's just our time is our time. And I don't give two fucks about what other people are doing. I'm very happy for you. But it's like what you're doing has nothing to do with me. Completely. And, and I'm also not saying like, just because I went through my twenties and thirties happy for other people. Like I'm so great. I'm so great that I'm so like uh, generous with my, like that. No, I don't even know why I was able to do that because I certainly understand this idea of like, being jealous or like wanting these things so badly and feeling this bitterness. But I think I just, I kind of got forced into a health and spiritual journey very young. And, um, I think because it of really, your health journey, right? Just yeah, like to, my health kind of yeah. collapsed at 23 and it forced me into this whole other thing. And it, in it, and then I got into yoga and personal growth and all this stuff. And it really forced me to start being very self-aware and and just always question if I am having a resentful thought or feeling why and digging and knowing it's about me and um, really trying to do that work. So it wasn't easy, but I had to do this pretty tough work to be more self-reflective um, and insightful and, and really understand everything is about me at the end of the day, not other people. And uh, I was able to like kind of go through my stuff and go through my process and still stay genuinely happy for other people. And just trust, like you said, trust the timing of life. Do I wish I had gotten married and met someone younger and like been able to like have kids without worrying about my fertility and all this stuff? Yes, I I do. But there's no point in dwelling in the past. It's like you got to live in the reality of the moment. And so, and you just trust that the right person came around at the right time. And something else I think about a lot is if I had ended up with the person I wanted to be with in college or in my 20s or in my 30s, I would probably not be happy right now. I think I- Or with them anymore. Right. That's the thing is like, you know, I'm not going to deny too. I want to be very clear. Like I was just automatically happy for my friends and automatically said yes to being a bridesmaid a million times. But I wanted those things and I thought I wanted those things and was ready for those things at the time, but I was in no position to get married financially. And some people listening are being like, well, I'm financially ready. But, you know, I would say, and I've been listening to some other kind of out there different healing modalities and it's too, too much to get into all of that. But I think, you know, I say this with caution as you hear me hesitate (laughs) and pause. If it's not here yet, the result that you're working towards, there's a reason for it and there's a learning lesson behind it and there's something else going on. Now, I have clients who are loyal listeners and I have one in particular. She re-upped with me in the program. She has done so much work and she said in our re-up conversation, do you think that there's anything holding me back from finding my person? And I was like, no, like 
you're ready, girl. Just go find him. Like, mm. I truly believe, I don't think there are any hangups or blocks or anything. And if you want coaching on just continuing to date and put yourself out there, like go do it. But then this summer, she had a lot of work stuff going on. Then she did major traveling and I'm not shaming or blaming. That was her real life happening. She was also freezing her eggs. There were interruptions that were so all consuming, whether it was travel, egg freezing, crazy work shit and whatever, like that's all good and okay. But now I said to her, are we back and ready to just make dating the top priority? You have to be, you know, and sure does life happen and go do your own thing? I'm not saying she couldn't have found someone over the last few months, but that there's also no coincidence that she didn't find him. Like I'm not confused as her coach that she didn't find him. But I just think if you haven't been doing this kind of work, obviously I'm biased about this kind of work. You know, sometimes there, sometimes, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. Like that's my assessment of my client right now, why she hasn't found her person. But I'm also not suggesting, and again, this is very contradictory. I'm also not suggesting, well, if you weren't away and you weren't freezing your eggs and you didn't have big work commitments, then you would have found him this summer. Who knows? I, I have no idea. I just need to be coaching her and looking at her mind and looking at her actions and, and going from there. But if you're someone that's been dabbling around or kind of half-assing this work or finding yourself in the same kind of situations again, and you're like, well, why is everyone else having it? And I'm not having it. Like there's something deeper to look at. I love Jamie that you said, I kind of was forced into this health wellness mindset journey that really essentially, you didn't say this, woke you up to a next level of awareness and, and invited you you didn't have to do this. I mean, you did have to, to save your physical body. I didn't have to do this work at my rock bottom relationship, but for sure that resonates with me as well. Throughout my thirties, as I was getting older, going to all of these weddings and watching all of my dear friends get engaged. And because I was really deeper digging, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not confused why it isn't happening for me. And it is happening for other people. And I did have this innate knowing of like, I'm on my own path. I'm on my own journey on a next level into my thirties because my rock bottom journey, my rock bottom relationship episode five, for those of you who don't aren't familiar, uh, that unfolded at 29 and 30 years old. So that really woke me up to be like, what's the bigger lesson here for me? What's going on? And then I fell on my face a few more times with more unavailable men thinking, oh, well now I'm different and now he's different. But then there was more to learn from those. And, you know, I I just think you made a joke on the phone the other day, like we would have been dead if we gave two fucks every single time someone was getting engaged and make like all this meaning out of it. So with that, um, it's okay to feel the trigger, feel the trigger, tell someone who you trust, like, this is what's coming up for me. And then I would really take pen to paper and do an inquiry on what her, how, like show your brain or ask, really actually ask your brain, what is the logic here? about cuz i i really believe you guys it what it comes down to is it's happening for everyone around me it's not happening for me and then beyond that it's and i'm afraid it'll never happen and when one more person gets snatched up you're like oh now it's really not happening but like really try to make it make sense for your brain because from where i'm sitting and i'm going to speak for you where you're sitting like that has nothing to do with you yeah and 100%. like, what is the race in your brain about? I, I I would say majority of the time it is these societal pressures or your parents or whatever, or the stigma or being in social situations and people saying, oh, what's your dating situation? Like, I fucking love that that guy asked me at the wedding. I, I mean, it was atrocious what he said, but I fucking loved how even with the multiple glasses of tequila in me, I was like, really? What kind of a question is that? I have a problem. And and I told him, I was like, this is the problem with your question. And I proceeded to tell him that I was a dating coach. And it's questions (laughs) like that to women who are single, who have never been married that make them feel extra insecure when it's like, there's so many different journeys. Like you can't ask questions like that. And I wasn't aggressive, but doing that deep inquiry and then like, okay, if you want to go find your person, what are you doing to make that happen? Yeah. And are, are you, you creating saying, a life you love 
regardless, because there are things out of your control. And you kind of alluded to this. And I fully, even in moments where I was like, I'm ready. I was like, you know what? Maybe he's not ready. Maybe my perfect person, like you said, you, Larry needed to kind of have distance from his marriage. And I, like, I couldn't have been with Michael 10 years ago. He was married, you know? And so I truly believe that he was in a place that was, was perfect. And, and now I can kind of see like the journey makes sense. And I'm glad I wasn't miserable about it for 20 years. Totally. Which uh, also I want to bring you back because a couple of people have slid into my DMs this week who say, I never would have been open to a man with kids, but because of what you've been talking about on your podcast. And I think it also was inspired because I posted, I finally posted a picture of Larry and myself and the kids kicking off his first uh, B-Day celebration for the big 50th. And, you know, I'm very protective of them, but I also don't want to like hide them. So I think peppering them in, (laughs) I'm so proud of them and I'm so proud and happy to be a part of their family. And I love them so much. So I wanted to just share that picture. But I think a few people reached out and said, you know, can you please keep talking about this? Because now I'm, I'm open to dating dads. And I think some people listening to you just say, you know, Michael was married 10 years ago. Larry was married and needed time before he was ready for me. And um, some people listening could be like, but I want to be with someone who's marrying me for the first time because I'm marrying them for the first time. And all these hangups of what the picture is going to look like will also keep you further from finding your person. You can listen to our most, uh, our, our, another episode of Jamie and I recorded dating dads. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but like, where are you closing yourself off? And Jamie, I love what you said. Be in your life, be in your amazing life. But I think that there are people here listening today who are thinking I am in my amazing life. The mm. only thing that's missing, because that's what, that's a lot of, that's who my, uh, what is typical client is my life is amazing. I have all the boxes checked. I, I have very ambitious, accomplished, brilliant women in my group program. Check it out. Go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. And it's like, this is the missing piece. This is the thing. And you really, I really do in the fall in love with you section of my work. I've got three processes. Stop wanting them back. Fall in love with you. Find someone better part of the fall in love with you work is really making peace exactly with where you are right now. And beyond making peace, finding so much happiness and true, genuine joy and love with it and a purpose to get up out of bed every morning just for you. So if you have a soul-sucking job that pays you really well and you're not willing to give it up, go find something else. And if you're a parent, that purpose isn't the same thing. I want you to find a purpose for you. I'm not saying being a parent isn't... (laughs) great purpose. But you know, find something that lights you up. Don't don't navigate your singledom thinking my picture will be complete when he's arrived because yes, my life is so much better with Larry in it. I know your life is so much better with Michael in it, but we're still working our asses off and evolving and growing mm-hmm. and thinking of Jamie's an entrepreneur too and you know, thinking of all the ways that we want to grow and expand and heal. There's still more healing for me to do oh, that to come up which sure is <laughs> never ends, never, ever ends. Yeah. And you're saying that with a smile on your face, like how fucking boring would it be if it did end, yeah. you know, or if you weren't doing the work. Cause I think so many people are, are afraid to do it and, and just living in their unhappiness. And so even though I joke of like, Oh my God, I just, you know, I spend all my money on therapy or this, this program or that or whatever, but it's like, I could have it no other way. I love it. And it does make me happier at the end of the day to have inner peace. So, yeah. And, you know, someone just purchased my course. Uh, by the way, you guys, we still have the Will He Come Back webinar running. Maybe if you're listening to this episode, you're not pining for your ex, you're thinking about how you can find your your life partner, but check it out because there is a special offer regarding my course for those of you who are not course owners. Um, and we'll link that up in the show notes. But as you said that, that made me think about how uh, a course student, she ultimately bought the course, but she reached out and she asked, you know, what are your thoughts on me purchasing this course when I already work with a coach on this other thing and I'm doing this other program over here. And I, you know, obviously I'm biased. I think my course is the best for healing your heart and finding love. But what I, I, I didn't say, no, you need to buy my course. I just said, 
is there something that these two healing modalities that you're doing aren't giving you? And I give so much information about the course. I'm like, is there something in my course that you think would really help you and serve you and compliment you? And ultimately she bought the course. Again, I prompted her with an inquiry question. I wasn't like, you need to buy it because of this. It's like some people, the course won't be the right fit for them. But you know, for me, I don't have any shame or attack or, or judgment on gathering all the different tools and hiring. I just hired two different coaches, um, at the same time. And I'm really excited about it. And I think that they're both going to, one is a coach to heal and one is a coach to manifest. And I'm just really excited about that because I took a little break from hiring an actual coach for a few months. And I'm just so excited. I feel like we're getting back into the school year again. And I just feel really recharged and really motivated. And it's like, I'm never going to stop healing and I'm never going to stop growing and I'm never going to stop creating. There will be pauses and there will be just living with what is and being in that appreciation. Um, but you know, if you're sitting here and you're not really doing the work or you're like, well, I am doing the work, I'm in therapy and I'm journaling. It's like, okay, but you really have to investigate, is this working? And Mm -hmm. obviously again, I am biased. Um, (laughs) But even if you're not interested in the course, like go find the thing that's going to work. I was sitting for a while with like, what's the next coach that I want to work with? And then the right two people popped up without me like actively searching. I was like, I know that the right coaches are going to pop up for me. And if this is not something that you think you want, like just put it out there. Because if you're sitting here being like, I'm just genuinely confused and you're tossing your hands and you think the world is unfair, that's not going to work for you either. Get out there and figure out your thing. Obviously, I think my course or my program is my thing. Can I say that eight more times? Jamie, is there anything else that you would like to say as we wrap up today's episode? No, except that I totally agree. I think your course is uh, is a great option and the thing because it worked for me too. So just uh, second that last um, you know statement that you made. I love it. Congratulations. I can't wait to take full responsibility at your wedding for this relationship and make it all about me. I love it. Can't wait. I love it. So you guys, no shame, no judgment on having any of those feels, but let's lean into them and investigate them and talk to someone who you trust and really look at what does this really have to do with me? What does them getting married have to do with me? What am I willing to do to find my person? And how can I truly make peace with me and my own individual journey? So much love, my love. Love it. Till next time. Thanks, Jane. Yeah. Bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.